Hey, Greg. Hey, Scott. I think it's time to make another movie. Oh, uh, what kind of movie? I want to make a Star Trek movie. Oh, I like Star Trek. Yeah, right on. I want to make another Star Trek The Next Generation uh, movie. No, I have some notes. Welcome to I Have Some Notes. This is the podcast where we take uh, underperforming movies of, in terms of quality and goodness and improve the quality and goodness. Part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. My name is Colin McIntyre. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. Uh, and uh, listeners, uh, uh, and Scott and, uh, and, uh, and Greg, uh, it's, uh, it's springtime, which means the, the snow is melted, the sun is shining, the dirt is blowing in our eyes because it's super dry here at Edmonton, and it's time for our annual Star Trek film. Yay! Oh boy. <laughs> this is actually part, so when uh, Greg and I started the podcast, this was part of the, the conditions in the, I have some notes, Constitution. Once a year, we will do a Star Trek movie. That'll keep this podcast rolling for several years. Yet. And then we'll do them again! <laughs> we'll just keep doing them over and over and over and over. Uh, so the movie we're doing today, what was the, what was the, actually before we started? What was the last movie that we did on the podcast? Was that uh, we did Nemesis. Some, yeah, we've been we've been rolling through the TNG movies in or, in chronological order. So we did Generations first, then we did First Contact. Oh, okay, okay. And Which now we're at Insurrection. Means that we're doing Insurrection. Yeah, Star Trek Insurrection is the 1998 American uh, science fiction film. Uh, this is the which the ninth in the Star Trek film. So this is an odd film, right? Correct. So this, so and in the movies, it's like the even ones are good, the even numbered ones are good, the odd ones not so great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, until Nemesis, which broke that oh. trend. Really? <laughs> Pretty oh. severely. Okay. Uh, we'll get to that one. Uh, so uh, Insurrection was uh, directed by Riker himself, Jonathan Frakes. Um, it stars all of your Star Trek heroes, like Patrick, Jonathan, Brent, Lavar, Michael Gates, uh, Marina. The gang's uh, all here. The gang is all here. Uh, everyone's here. Except uh, for Guy. Except, except, except this guy. Uh, and this is sort of, um, well, maybe before we start uh, uh, diving into the movie, we will listen to the trailer so you can get a sense of what it's going to be like. And then we're going to give you the uh, I Have Some Notes plot summary. We are participating in the outright theft of a world. They were never meant to be immortal. Who the hell are we to determine the next course of evolution for this people? Radiation coming from the planet's rings continuously regenerates our genetic structure. We're only moving 600 people. We'll be able to help billions. This is the moment we've planned for so many years. How many people does it take before it becomes wrong? people does it take, Admiral? I wouldn't be tempted by the promise of perpetual youth. There are hard choices to be made. Send your ships. Don't let go of this moment. Looks like you're planning on doing some hunting. Return to your quarters. That's an order. No uniform, no orders. The environmental anomalies may have stimulated certain rebellious instincts which could affect everyone's judgment, except mine, of course. Okay, Data, what do you think we should do? Saddle up. Lock and load. 
Commander Data goes rogue while on assignment, secretly monitoring the Baku, a pre-warp civilization whose people have been ripped from the pages of your mom's Sears catalog. Data uncovers the Federation and their partners, the odious Sona, want to relocate the Baku off-world so they can steal the planet's radiation, which seems to act like a fountain of youth, but mostly just gives Worf pimples. The valiant Captain Picard defies Federation orders, goes rogue himself, and starts a kind of insurgency against his superiors. Will Picard's insubordination save the Baku in time for Riker and Troy to hook up? Only 103 minutes of bland storytelling and special effects can reveal the answer. <laughs> oh, the synopsis oh, put Colin back to sleep. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm still asleep. Uh, before I, by, by the way, uh, this movie made, was cost $70 million to make, which actually made Greg very upset when he heard that. Um, well, it, it certainly doesn't show on screen, does it? <laughs> that was an expensive shave by Riker. Like that, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it made, it made $117 million. So it made money. It made its budget back, although probably not, not a ton of it is, I'm sure, like, as what they're expecting. I don't know. I mean, at that at this point, even I think even I was like not really interested in seeing Insurrection when it came out. Really? I don't know. I mean, I was 18 years old at the time, and maybe I was concerned with other things, but I don't remember being like especially excited that Insurrection was coming out. And maybe maybe the trailers were horribly dull, and that is uh, probably the case considering the movie is horribly dull. <laughs> very, very, very much so. Yes. <laughs> Scott's, Scott's dis, uh, making grimaces should, of should disagreement. We be, should, we, <laughs> be, should we before uh, we before uh, we get into the movie? Should we maybe uh, preference uh, just for you know for maybe the list the the listeners the longtime listeners but also new listeners? Let's maybe just establish where we are as sort of like Star Trek fans, like kind of how advanced we are. Like I feel like Greg, you are sort of like a I will say Captain Admiral level Star Trek fan. Sure. You've re you've watched all of the things you've rewatched many of them, yes. Uh, Scott, I know you're a big Star Trek fan as well. Are you at the same level? Have you, like have you like watched all of the things and also like rewatched them? I've watched most of the things. I've okay. rewatched the things that I like. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I don't go out of my way to like read the novels or anything. Oh, okay. okay. No, yeah, that's so, a step but you, beyond. But, you, but for you've me seen as the well. series. You've seen the series. Is is you've seen the, the movies. Yeah, and... I've I've seen one of the series that I like and. Uh, a little smattering of the ones that I don't to confirm that I don't like them. Okay, okay. <laughs> since since the advent of Netflix and since uh, Next Generation has been on Netflix, I think I've rewatched the entire season at least once a year. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm see. I would put myself as sort of like a um, a not ensign. What's above ensign? Uh, uh, lieutenant junior grade. L- lieutenant. Yeah, maybe that. So so I've. So I'm familiar with the characters. I watched Next Generation back in the day. I've not rewatched anything. I never really got into DS9, but like I'm sort of familiar with the things of what kind of like a vague understanding of what happened or what what's going on. But uh, well, first of all, and possibly to alienate many of our listeners right now, you've missed out on the best Star Trek series. So. Which which one's that one? DS9. Yes, I have not. I yeah, I've not watched DS9. That is on Netflix. Go give it a watch. I then. We'll come back and finish oh. recording this episode. <laughs> okay. I'll be back in two years. Scott's and I'm just, back. Scott's just saying that just to, yeah. no, just I've, to make me I, angry. But, I, but I've, 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 I've heard DS9 is the, is the best one. So, But I'm going to be taking this as like, like I'm sure we'll, we're going to be obviously comparing this to the other Star Trek films. But I'm going to be taking this a lot more from a, like, 
a casual Star Trek perspective. No, and that's that's good perspective to have, yeah. especially on yeah, because we're going to be film, right? we're going to be nor- nerding out. Probably. Yeah, that's okay. We're nerding and nerding well, how about well, how about you guys? So maybe uh, like Greg, I'll toss this to you. Uh, maybe give us uh, give us uh, everyone can go, we'll give our thoughts around the table before we start getting into our keeps and cuts. Yeah, I mean this one, it is to me the the best next generation movie really of the four that exist in the sense that it's the closest to the tv show like the the characters feel like the characters i remember um picard has a sense of morality that seems to be missing from some of the other movies uh he's he's like johnny action hero yeah yeah he's not uh he's not uh you know pumping iron and stuff like that and (laughs) i mean i guess he does hang off of uh the bar at some point or something like that in this movie does he not i yeah, can't he's remember. he's being affected by youth rays though that's true yeah yes. so at least there's an excuse in this movie. um there's no dune buggy in this movie so so <laughs> that's a one step up from uh from uh, nemesis so that's good um yeah that's it, it it's not a it's it, to me it's like it's kind of like a mediocre episode of tng like i can watch it i'm not especially especially excited to watch it again but eh, it's star trek and i'll watch it i will mostly agree with greg on this actually the movie is not terrible uh and it is the best of the tng movies and that is damning the tng movies with very faint praise certainly damning this movie with very faint praise um and for the exact reasons you said it it is the closest when it comes to the characterizations to when it comes to the kind of plot that they're dealing with um it feels like an episode of the next generation in a way that is very comfortable and fun to watch and i didn't find it that boring honestly i didn't find it any more boring than some of the more i'm gonna say um philosophical or introspective episodes of tng where there wasn't a lot of like explosions and stuff, but there was a lot of um, a lot of questions of morality and ethics and yeah. what the Federation stands for. Like that's when Picard gets to be a philosopher or a diplomat or a lawyer on TNG. That was always when he was at his best, and we see that in this movie, like from top to bottom. Even when he decides, you know what, I'm, I'm taking off my captain pips and I'm pulling out a rifle and we're going in locked and loaded, it feels it feels like an earned moment because he's standing up for the the spirit and the principles of the Federation. And I like that. I want to see that. I don't want to see frothing at the mouth Captain Ahab, Captain Picard uh, committing genocide against uh, people that he doesn't like. That's not Captain Picard to me. So, yes, this was not a terrible film. Is it a great movie? Nope. <laughs> Does it need some some tweaks and some fixes? Yep. Uh, but but the worst of the TNG movies, far from. Yeah, like the um, first contact was probably the most exciting Star Trek movie, uh, Next Generation movie. So if you can somehow meld the two, <laughs> where you're getting the the philosophical Star Trek as well as the action yeah. Star Trek, that's where, the sweet spot. For where your... you get lawyer Picard, but somebody still gets punched in the face. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like, so, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest that it's the worst of the Star Trek, no, of the <laughs> 10 generation movies, but I, but I will sort of agree with, with you on, I'm on board with some of the themes, I'm on board with the whole, the concept of insurrection and Captain Picard, like, standing up for what he believes is right and that sort of stuff, I'm, I'm all on board with that, 
my problem with with the movie is that it it feels like it feels like an episode. It feels like a, like yeah, like a bad episode, and it feels like it's no one's really taking anything really seriously, and the stakes are all is really really low. And that really trans like to me that really translated on screen where it was like like I get and I get that coming from. I guess to to put you know this the previous movie being First Contact, which was which was a little darker, a lot more action heavy. Picard was Rambo, which yeah, which again is is kind of weird. Even uh, I I thought was kind of weird. And then they wanted to actually have a lighter tone. Like from what I was reading, they the studio wanted to say this. They wanted this to be sort of the new Voyage Home, where it was it's a little more fun, it's a little more relaxed, it's not as as guns guns a blazing. But it just the delivery of it and everything from just how they delivered this story to the special effects to like even some of the uh, just like you can tell the, the the crew and the actors are having fun, but it's just like they're having a little too much fun. Like I think <laughs> I think I think I think the beats of the story are there, but but what I remember from uh, from Next Generation is that it, it it's. They took itself. It always took himself seriously, but not. But in it, like, it felt like you're watching out. Was like I like you mentioned, like almost like a lawyer drama. Like there, <laughs> like there were always stakes, and they and it's not there, and it really comes off as just being like a really boring movie. And then you add in all this other uh, stuff where there are there are references to things that are happening in Star Trek at this time that if you're not familiar with, you miss. So reference to like, hey, Worf, glad you're back. It's like. Where was he? I have I have many comments about yeah. that exact thing, both both pro and con. Yeah, but I guess I guess for me it comes out to there's it 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 means like for 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 me I like thinking about it like generations is 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 a better movie even as a better like Star Trekky episode movie because you've got okay you've got Kirker you've got something to latch on to. Uh, which we've done in the podcast, but yeah, I just I just felt this movie was very flat, very. very dull yeah it's it's a hundred percent like flat and it, and that goes right through to the very fabric of it yeah right even right to, from the like the opening credits where it was just like white font <laughs> and then it's like red font behind it and i'm like oh this isn't gonna go well at all yeah um even, even like the the wardrobe like yeah the, the wardrobe that the, the baku wear looked like they they, they got it off of the shelf at walmart it's very clean for farmers too, by the way. It was yeah, very sort of like yeah. Uh, also, they were such a lazy alien design. They don't even have any weird alien yes. loaf. Yeah, like they're just they're just beautiful humans. Yeah, the like though they're yeah the back who are basically them, pretty white people. Yeah, give them some weird eyebrows. Anything like yeah. just make them look <laughs> a nostril. A, but and but that's Third nostril. That's par for the course for Star Trek. An, uh, a human in a weird hat is an alien. Yeah. And these did these guys didn't even have a weird hat. Yeah. Which is just it blows my mind. They to, they just look like beautiful people to, out of a Sears catalog. To, to quote Greg, what did they spend 70 million dollars on? <laughs> um yeah, well how about we do let's jump into the keeps and cuts. I mean, uh let's uh, yeah, I'm, before I'm a, we before we get to uh, just as we're going to get into the keeps and cuts. Um I want to do a little, a quick little game here, okay? Because there is there is one cut I am one hundred percent sure that we are all going to make, and I am going to count down from three, <laughs> and and we're all going to say uh, the one thing that we would cut at the same time because I want to see if we would all cut the same thing. Uh, all right? Okay. Yeah. So three, two, one. The, the joystick. bad guys. 
Okay. Well, Greg and I are on the same okay. boat there. <laughs> well, I'll add the joystick too. Yes, the joystick for sure. <laughs> Can we talk about that for, for a second? So, like, so not only does Riker pilot the Enterprise with a joystick, he also kicks the ensign out of his seat. And I'm thinking, like, there's got to be a complaint logic at Riker because Riker's technically management, and he's like kicking out one of the ensigns out of the like the, the helm. Well, Riker is canonically one of the best pilots in Starfleet. Is he really? Okay, see, see that, see that. I don't know. So, and then, and then, while everything is that happening, goes to what you were saying earlier, where where things happen that like a regular audience member would just be like, "What?" Yeah, I also kind of felt bad for everyone else on the bridge because like Riker is only talking to Jordy, especially when he's like, "Jordy, are those such and such and such clouds on the screen?" And he's got all these other people around him. And he's not asking them, and Jordy's like doing something else. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's fine." Yeah, so, yeah, this, yeah. That whole sequence is is not it's executed weird. very well, and like the the warp core is like the heart of a starship in in Star Trek, and and they use it like they would use a photon torpedo, Kinda. you know. And it's yeah. like is this it's not like so... a recurring thing. Did they? Does this does this happen a lot? No, like no, not really. Really. And actually, okay. in Star Trek, it almost never happens. It's usually like usually eject, ejecting the warp core is like is like usually like the we're fucked. It's um, it's a nuclear option choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. So, so for them to was just like dumb. toss it out there uh, on a whim, just it felt it, it just felt um, unearned. I I will admit though that it did lead to uh, one of the few jokes in this movie that truly lands, which was I hope they don't use that weapon again because we're fresh out of warp cores. Yeah. Nah. Which is one of the few jokes that lands in this movie. I I actually thought this movie was pretty funny. There's nah. there's a lot of groaners. I I like the gorch bit. With Worf's pimple, oh, we're gonna go. We're, I'm gonna have words about that. <laughs> and I like the the Worf's weird puberty is weird. The s- smoother than an android's bottom line. That is one of the, that is an A plus joke. Yeah, that is if the, if we cut everything in this movie, <laughs> we're, we're keeping smooth as an android's bottom. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so Greg, I'm Greg. I'm marking you for keep Worf, keep Worf's pimples and <laughs> yeah. Riker's Riker's uh, smooth chin. I like how this movie does kind of reverse grow the beard for Star Trek The Next Generation, though. <laughs> uh, for those, Colin's given us a quizzical look. For those unfamiliar with the term, the joke is that Star Trek The Next Generation got good when Riker grew the beard. Oh, okay. And so a TV series is said to have found its legs when it's grown the beard now. Oh, And okay. Riker shaves his beard in this movie, hence taking it back <laughs> yeah well I, I was actually going to talk about some of that stuff but like as far as like the things that like yeah they don't really explain but i mean let's go into what we're going to keep before i start carving this thing like thanksgiving turkey like well, i already i already mentioned the two jokes i would keep those are those <laughs> are that's fully 50 percent of my keeps already <laughs> okay um i'd keep the uh riker and troy romancing i thought that was kind of fun even though oddly um deanna troy has it changed. She, there's a shift that occurs in the movies with Deanna Troy. Like she's not in the show. She's pretty serious most of the time, right? And in the movies, she's turned into um, much more loosey goosey, kind of comical. And that, I think that kind of started in in um, in uh, First Contact when she has that I'm drunk scene, uh, and that continues in in uh, in Insurrection. So she doesn't really feel as much like Troy to me in this movie as she normally does. But that's I still like the whole dynamic between them. I agree. Riker and Troy. I agree with that. And that would have been one of my keeps too. And also I would have made it more 
I would I would have like expanded into like, like a full C plot. I've got sex I, scene yeah, I've, I've no, I'm not, not not necessarily anything like that, but like a full on C plot with I've got, Riker is, that's and a, that, that That's part of my changes, which we'll get into later yeah, on. But, yeah, and I have a change that goes in with that yeah. as well. So, and yeah. we might I, I get the feeling that Colin and I are on the same wavelength on yeah. that. The last thing I would keep is is uh, Picard's "How many people?" speech to Admiral Dougherty. That was pretty good, pretty classic Trek right there. Oh, Picard has some great classic Picard moments in this one. Uh, as I said, Lawyer Picard is when Picard's at his best, and he has some great exchanges with a number of characters in this film, where he's like showing his his intellectual side and his diplomatic side, and uh, it's it's just it's nice. It's nice to see his mambo side. A little, yeah. bit, a little bit of the Mambo little, side. Little, little Nothing mambo wrong side. with that. That's a little weird. I'd probably yeah. get that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my so I'm I'm I really as much as I thought the movie was boring, I actually quite liked like the themes of the movie. So I so I so I, I so I, I do feel like, and I think this is the mark of a, a movie. I think it's really fun for us is where I feel like the 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 bones the bones of the plot are there. So I like obviously the idea of of. Picard and his crew against the Federation for on a for like a, on a moral on moral grounds. I think that's always fun, and I think even I think there's some history that even in Star Trek, especially like when Kirk and the crew steal the Enterprise to go save Spock, you know that sort of thing. So I feel like that that's that's always a fun thread. In is Star there Trek. is there like can you name three admirals in Star Trek, Greg, who aren't objectively evil? Uh, Admiral Nechev. Nechev's obviously number one. Uh, Nakamura. Oh, yeah, Nakamura. And um, the one from DS9. Ross, Admiral yeah, Ross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't have thought Nakamura. So I only had two. That's why I gave you three, which I thought was an impossible bar to clear. Because uh, most admirals that, that we were introduced to. I am Admiral Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. This is why Greg is Admiral Star Trek. Uh, because in like nine times out of ten, if you see an admiral turn up on Star Trek, in any Star Trek, in yeah. any television show or movie, they're probably evil and up to no good. Yeah. Because apparently <laughs> they need to vet that you, process a little bit. Yeah, apparently you hit Admiral, and it's like, well, I can finally put my evil schemes into I'm, motion. I'm done being the good guy. <laughs> um, yeah, and I also like the idea of, of even having like the like the, the the planet as the MacGuffin, like the fountain fountain of youth. I think I think you set up. I think you set up a nice little like yeah. I think you can you can have a lot of fun with that. So there's even a, a neat little bait and switch with the Sona's motivation for wanting the planet too, which I thought was kind of fun. It's they're they're not actually out to get the planet because they want its healing properties. They want to kick the Baku off for revenge. Yeah, which is it's it's a neat bait and switch because that's not what you expect that they want. Yeah, but they do want the, they do want the healing or the but because they they don't want to like Salieri's, face stretch forever. Yeah, but Salieri's real motivation is mostly just to stick it to the Baku. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's all I'm keeping. Everything else, I'm 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 game for chopping and cutting down. And um, what are we cutting? What are you? What's I have I have I have a couple keeps that. Okay, sorry, Scott. One thing that I would keep is the beginning of the movie. As weird as it is that the one of the most powerful ships in the Federation is not in the thick of fighting the Dominion War, which is even mentioned as happening right then. Is that actually happening at that particular time? It's, it's, uh, I don't know exactly where in the chronology it falls. I the Dominion got- is on the board. It's certainly the, Dominion, the Cold War with the Dominion is underway at this point, if not the full-on war. Yeah. But at the same time, I really liked the lived in feel of the of the crew in that moment as we're kind of reintroduced to all of them. I liked the the weird 
diplomatic ceremony that Picard had to helm because that was super in character for Picard and he handles it really smooth. I liked the weird little aliens they were dealing with. Like everything about that little conference scene at the beginning is perfect. And I would not touch a thing in it except for Worf's presence there as kick Worf out of there. That is the only thing I would change about that. And I have further thoughts about Worf, which we'll get into. Yeah, and it kind of sets up the theme uh, yeah. well, like the, the the idea of getting going back to your youth. Picard laments in that scene that does anybody remember when we were explorers? Yeah, like he, you know he's yearning for things and from his younger days, right? So it does it does it works for yeah. the most part. Cuts. Who wants to do cuts? Okay, Greg can do cuts. So the, obviously the joystick. I already mentioned the joystick, <laughs> of course. Um, Anisha's super slow-mo powers oh yeah where'd like where'd that come from yeah how come we never saw it again it's a little weird um we've seen it a couple times yeah you see it twice and i mean i've watched this movie a lot (laughs) why uh, Why? just i mean just because it says star trek and i'll just watch it over Mm. and over because it says star trek on it because that's (laughs) that's who i am (laughs) don't judge me uh (laughs) but this is the first time that i realized that Picard, when 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 Anisha is when she falls when she's in the cave in and she's injured, Picard slows down time to save her, or at least that's how I that's how I read it this time around. That's and certainly that's what the I first time up. I've ever read it read it that way. I never realized that over out of all the times that I've watched it before, and it's weird. Like, how did he? Well, he he gets her to do it. Like he talks her into using her ability, but I also See, got I didn't the read impression. it that way. I read it this time. This time around, I read it as he did it, and the reason that I read it that way is because she tells him afterwards. She says something like, um, "And you thought you thought it would take centuries to learn," which is, implies that that he was the one slowing down time to to save her, oh, uh, giving them time to uh, remove all the boulders and get at her. Right? Yeah. So is there is there something in the planet's radiation that's that oh I would assume you, that it's space you, magic yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was magic. a little silly for me fair enough and you know what I would act I would <laughs> I'm very famous in on this podcast for for cutting the main character but this time around I'm gonna cut the entire villain race <laughs> Sona and I'm also gonna cut the Baku as well because I don't like either of them high five <laughs> that was actually one of my cuts <laughs> boom they're they're so, I mean, they're so boring. We already talked about this, but like, like you said, no head loaves. No, they're not interesting in any way. They they dress so boring. Uh, uh, you know the uh, the I mean the, the at least the Sona have like some sort of like interesting facial loaf. bit to them. They that, have loaf. That's, yeah, in their face. If <laughs> if they removed the 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 Baku and replaced them with packages of unsalted soda crackers. <laughs> The effect would be the same because they're so boring and they're still, you don't care. It's like, who cares whether they're moved or not? Yeah. Like there's nothing. Well, they care if they're moved. Well, they care, but I mean, there's no, but you're you're not emotionally invested in them at all. It's just like, all right, that sucks for them, I suppose. The Sona, their their wardrobe is awful too. Yeah. Yeah, They look terrible. terrible. And, the ship and looked awful. The, the interiors were awful. terrible. And their leader sits on a cou- on like a red couch from my nana's house. You know, just yeah. like it's so weird that like <laughs> he's got a. Couch I was watching in the movie bridge. with Anita, and she actually pointed out the the red couch. Like it stuck out to her, and she was like, "Why is he sitting on a red couch?" Yeah, again, what did they spend seventy million dollars on? They didn't spend it on any of those interior shots. 
No. And they reused a lot of sets from like other like truck shows apparently. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah. They apparently had really used reuse some things, uh, some different stuff from like Voyager and Oh really? Yeah. Well and the Star Trek caves are are in the movie. Yeah. yeah. The famous Star Trek yeah. caves. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's basically my cuts. I don't know if anyone's going to agree with me cutting both the the no no I, the villain, no, I'm on board. The, I I I all written, the villains. I'd, I'd written down cut the bad guys because I think I think it makes for more more fun movie if it's Picard Picard and his crew risking all of their careers and their you know their livelihood against a desperate Federation. I think that makes for a more fun movie because what didn't they mention something that the reason the Federation was teaming up with the Sona was because they can't replicate the technology they're using or something, wasn't yeah. that? Which is, it's the 24th century. I mean, come on. You, like, they can't be that advanced. Um, if you can come up with better aliens for them to be saving, I'm okay with cutting the Baku. But uh, I'm, I'm willing to agree to it being someone other than the Sona yeah. very readily. Yeah. Uh, I think it's harder to remove the Baku from the equation, but I think that they should look weirder. Yeah, or they yeah, or at least their circumstances should be a little bit different. Uh, I will say, like, when it comes to when it comes to the Baku, the fact that they seem primitive, but they're actually the remnant of a much older warp capable civilization, and the Federation using that as a loophole to be able to meddle with them uh, because they technically don't fall under the Prime Directive. That's a plus lawyering right there. I like that twist. Mm-hmm. And I would find a way to keep that, even if we don't use the Baku themselves. Yeah, so, that, that part is fine. Yeah. Um, cut. It's gonna make my changes a harder sell for you. <laughs> Fair enough. That's okay. Uh, first thing that I would cut is Commander Worf. Good day, sir. <laughs> You're killing Commander Worf. I'm not killing him. Oh, I'm just okay. not inviting him to the party. Nice. Worf is off. Michael Dorn doesn't need the paycheck. He's making money off on DS9 right now, where he's a main cast member. He's finding, yeah, okay, finding a reason to shoehorn him into this movie is contrived, and it was. And Worf's weird puberty is weird and stupid and doesn't need to be there. And if Worf's not there, you have the ability to give more work to most of the other cast because Troy might as well not even be in this movie. Beverly barely has anything to do. Yeah. And Jordy and Riker don't even have all that much to do. No. It's mostly just the Wharf Data Picard show. And I mean, yeah, okay, that's the case in all of the Star Trek movies, but Wharf didn't need to be here today. And it would have given the other characters a little more breathing space to have one person not there. And he honestly, I don't think would have been missed. It would it would be it would it would have been fun to again, because since the theme of this movie seemed to have been about the cast having fun and Frakes directing it and oh, like, it was like, definitely like, uh, Stuart. Stuart has a producer yeah. credit, so he was actually really involved in like the behind the scenes. It would have been fun to have been to have instead of Worf being the muscle, Beverly's the muscle. Sure, she's why the not? sharpshooter. Like, well, we, where did this come from? You wouldn't expect the doctor or if you, to be. If you have to have Michael Dorn along for the ride, yeah, have and, him a cameo. and why not? Don't even have him cameo. Have him show up as not Worf. Put him in some other weird alien loaf and let him flex his muscles and do something different. Have him be one of the bad guys. Have him be the lead bad guy. Yeah, there you Why go. not? It's Michael Dorn, but it's not Worf. He's yeah. still there. It's just not Worf. He's part of these. He's still having fun with all his buddies. Exactly. And, yeah. I think that, that that actually, having said that out loud, do that. I think that would be great and hilarious. Not kill Worf. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I don't think Worf needs. I don't think Worf contributes enough to this film to merit shoehorning him in, especially when he's a main cast member on the current running Star Trek series. Like he's, people aren't going to miss him. Yeah. The the core fans that you're drawing to this movie can go watch him on the other show. They're not going to miss him here. So like that's honestly one of my biggest cuts is cut Worf. Fair enough. I'd buy that. Going back to Beverly Crusher for a second, one of the biggest failings of the TNG movies is not giving Crusher anything to do. And which is, I think, a big missed opportunity because in the show, she's sort of like the moral center. You know? Yeah. She's team mom. Yeah. And um, in a movie that's about a weird radiation that's making people younger... Like it has like a medical angle, and yet they she still doesn't have find anything, to anything do, yeah. for her to do. Like really? Yeah. Come on. Like why wouldn't she? She was the head of Starfleet Medical for a short time when Doctor Pulowski was on board. Right. Why wouldn't she have been like on assignment with Data studying this in the first place? Like put her right there at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that it doesn't make sense for Data to be on the planet at all, except for the fact that he needs to, he needs to go rogue and and yeah. something yeah, needs I to never, tweak I, his I did, positronic I did, I did. brain. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of weird fountain of youth powers, I like Jordy LaForge a lot. I think he's a great guy. I think he does a lot. He's LeVar welcome. Burton is one of my LeVar favorite. is welcome on this podcast any day. LeVar Burton is is one of my personal heroes. Um, he should not have regained his vision because his blindness is genetic. Getting younger is not going to restore his sight because he was born blind due to a birth defect. Nah. The radiation is not is not healing everyone's old injuries. So the fact that he got his vision back actually made me go, wait, what? <laughs> did Picard grow a new heart? Yeah, like, did, <laughs> did he just, like, hork up his artificial heart at one point yeah. in for a the, deleted scene? For those that don't know, in canon... Captain Picard has a robot heart. Yeah, because he got stabbed through the heart by a Nausicaan. Anyway, uh, in a super badass moment, might I add. But uh, yeah, no, and he never does hork up his robot heart. So my assumption is that, therefore, it makes no sense for Geordi's eyes to have miraculously started working again. I mean, it's a cool moment. It's a great piece of acting by LeVar Burton, and I'm not trying to take away from that. It's just that... From from a standpoint of the canonical history of that character, it actually made me go, "How does that work? Doesn't make sense." Yeah, I feel they feel like there's there's obviously they they throw a lot of between that and like the joystick, they kind of just take a lot of Star Trek stuff and just sort of flush it. They either bring back, they add some weird Star Trek things. We're talking about how Picard can hear things that are out of alignment between three and something microns that was there. Like, yeah, but he's an old salt on a starship. Yeah. And, and that kind of plays into what Greg was saying earlier, where he's like talking about, oh, back in the day, I used to be able to uh, do yeah. this. Blah, blah, and so blah, it's blah, blah. tying into that theme yeah. of him kind of wistfully looking back on his youth and therefore being just a little tempted by that fountain of youth. Yeah. Well, and that's 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 one of, one of my changes. But it, but the I'm on board I, with, yeah, with, with cutting the bad guys. Um, and I guess... I, I, one of my changes or one of my cuts was going to be all these references to like different events that are happening in Star Trek at the time, but I'm going to move that to a change because I feel like they can just expand on that and make that better. So I'm going to push that to the, the side. Um, yeah. I feel like most of the cuts I have were just like 
changes. But I'm all on board with getting rid of Worf. <laughs> Sorry, Worf. I, I mean, he lifts out. I mean, I, I it's hard to, I, for, in, in my mind, like, I get why he's there. Cause it's, like, it's tough to have a TNG movie without the full TNG cast. But, uh, I mean, you know, this is a fun podcast and we can do whatever we want. So, goodbye, Worf. <laughs> I will accept that cut. Uh, does anyone want to, want to add anything else before we get into the, we're going to build this a better, make this a better Star Treks? No, let's do it. Okay. We'll be back after this brief commercial message. The Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, is happy to be partnering with Northwest Fest, Edmonton's international documentary festival. Northwest Fest runs May 2nd to 12th at Metro Cinema, features dozens of short and feature-length nonfiction films. If you listen to I Have Some Notes, and we know you do, you'll probably get a kick out of watching Fuck You All, the Yui Bowl story. If there's anything our listeners love, it's bad movies, and Yui Bowl has made some of the baddiest. You can catch it Saturday, May 11th at 9pm at the Metro Cinema. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio and meeting spaces, as well as a kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities. Located in the historic McKinney building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown, including the Bay LRT. Book a tour today at unitb.ca. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes, Star Trek Insurrection Edition. Star Trek Improvement Insurrection Edition. Uh, we've talked about our keeps and cuts. Uh, I feel like this is, we're going to make a big, uh, 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 a nice, good movie here. I think, feel like. We have the expertise at the table. We have Admiral Star Trek and Greg. We have other Admiral uh, like Captain uh, Star, Star Trek. Trek. <laughs> I'll take Captain. Yeah, Greg Scott. Both are not evil, so far as we know. Uh, and I am well. The, Greg does have a goatee. I am the of. I am the Lieutenant Barkley on this here. Uh, <laughs> so lovable bumbling, getting my foot caught in the replicator, or whatever he used to do. Mostly, uh, he was just scared of the transport. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm kind no, of mostly he had a really creepy and stockerish hollow deck. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, did he really? Yeah. The first. The first. Okay. I don't want to be him. Then. Is pretty gross. <laughs> it's uh, pretty sight. gross. Okay. Then I don't want to be Barkley. I'll be. I'll be. Um, I don't know. Who else is cool? Who else is cool on this show? Uh, like O'Brien. He was yeah. around for a while. Okay. He's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Guinan. Guinan's pretty cool. The barkeep. I mean, Wesley wasn't that bad. Yeah, I feel like Wesley's really smart. You kind of have a boyish I'm charm, I'm not, but I'm not as Wesley. But, I'm, but I feel, I feel. You could, you're the I'll, Tasha I'll, Yar of the podcast. I'll, I'll take the yeah. There you go. Killed by the oil mine steer. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's make some make some changes to this movie. So, um, who I kind of want to go first. Can you permit me to go first? Because I feel like I've got sure. some base changes, and I'm sure you guys can expand it. So okay. I will allow it. So my, so my, so we've already talked about like cutting the bad guy. I'm on board with cutting the bad guy. Um, I would like to see three kind of three big changes. Um, so number one, I feel like we, I would like to see an ex- little bit of an explainer for, for us, not quite in, into the Star Treks, just to explain where everything is in the universe at this moment because they make references to like there's a war with the dominion and there's been a war with the borg so i think i would like a little explainer whether it's something as easy as 
Captain's log, star date, numbers, 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 numbers. This is where we are as, as the ship. Here's where we are as a Federation. That the Federation is in a space where they're they've kind of they're a little bit weakened. They've taken some damage, and it's not as pristine as it used to they, for whatever reason. They try to do that, but I agree that maybe they needed to but do like, a little more. But now, yeah, it needs to come up right off the hop because I think that sets some stuff up later. Um, so that also also ties into. Again, they, they, they sprinkle these things, but they don't really explain it. I'd also like to kind of establish right up the, right the part, and they kind of, they, and Picard jokes about it, but I want the crew to feel like, like they're beat up. Like the Federation is beat up. Their crew is feeling old and sore and tired. They've been through a lot. So that when they find the Fountain of Youth planet, or like everyone finds the Fountain of Youth planet, it's a big deal for them because maybe, because they're just, they're feeling like, yeah, they're feeling like suddenly they feel really, really refreshed. Yeah, yeah right. They, like, like, yeah, like I think every I think everyone has those moments, especially uh, you know we're we're all young parents where it's like wow, like we're we're dog tired, right? <laughs> yeah. Like we've been through a lot, and it's just like we just need a break. So that so I'd like to establish that the Federation is has been beaten up quite a bit, but even the crew they've been through all these they've been together so long. Because when we see them, they're joking, they're having a good time, they're they're joking with each other. But I'd like to establish that they're that everyone's feeling really worn and weathered, so that when they find this planet, uh, they're actually so they, so they they have obviously the the conflict with the Federation who wants to take advantage of the resources of this planet and its magic its magic space space magic, but also they have some conflict as well because hey, this is going to help them feel the way they used or bring back youth for them as well. So then that, and I think that can, and that kind of raises the stakes to when they're doing the insurgency, whereas, okay, they're really risking, they're really risking a lot personally as well when they're going to fight the Federation to save the aliens, which we're going to tweak anyway, give them whatever we need to do. Weird eyebrows or something. Yeah, weird eyebrows or, or third nostril. Uh, yeah, so those are kind of my, uh, and I, and I feel like, I feel like we need to raise the stakes with the, with the Baku as well, like. Because it's finally, it's kind of like okay, we'll move them off planet, but it's not like like I feel like you know I want them to like if they move from this planet like they're done, like that's a that that's a that's a species or a race of beings that they're the only ones maybe left in the universe, and if they move off that planet, they are toast, they're finished. So that there's actually a little bit more of a there's more stakes involved for moving I, them off. I definitely agree with that, and I, that was kind of something along yeah. the lines of what I was thinking, is that the the planet is maybe sustaining them. Yes. And they are the remnant of an older civilization. Yeah. And if they, it, like, they will die out if they are moved. Yeah. This kind of dovetails in, into one of my changes where uh, um, the the Baku, uh, my idea was that the Baku were actually just um, old salt uh, Federation citizens who've just been there a very long time. You know, they discovered this planet, they colonized it, uh, and then they discovered through time that they were not aging. Yeah. Um, but the other thing uh, that I wanted to do to make it a bit unique is that they also could not have children. Okay. Uh, so uh, the reason I do I want to do that is that um, it sort of explains why there's only 600 of them. Okay. Right? Yeah. Because, like, they, you know, I don't know why they're there for 300 years and only have 600 people <laughs> seems right. like it seems like that population might have exploded if they're all young and fertile you would think right <laughs> you would think so um but it locks in that culture so it makes it makes these 600 people 
really, really unique in that they've been on this planet for like 300 years and uh, only 600 of them there. And they're this sort of like unique people that can't, cannot exist anywhere else, like you guys say. Yeah. So, okay. so that ramps up that tension of, the, of them actually uh, being moved off the planet. Yeah. Right? Okay, I like that. Yeah, that was actually all I had for changes. So I mean, so you guys dive. Uh... Well, one of my big changes, and I I kind of mentioned this earlier, is to expand uh, the Riker and Troy romance into oh, yeah, a see. more sustained right. plot thread. Because, good God, poor Deanna Troy has nothing to do in this movie. Yeah, uh, she goes on the away mission down to the planet as one of the insurgents, and she may as well not even be there for what she contributes. She, she talks about her boobs. Yeah, yeah, that's literally the reason they put her on the planet is to crack a joke about boobs with Beverly, and that is, I'm sorry, not a good enough reason yeah. to put Marina Sirtis there. She deserves better than that. Yeah, my my thinking is that she should have been one of the people who stayed behind on the ship, acting as Riker's number one. She went through all that commander training in the series. Uh, it gives her more to do, and it gives us an opportunity to see the two of them continue to develop their dynamic over the course of the movie. Not just romantically, but also the changing dynamic of their professional relationship in that context. And it would give, it if you, if you put a little bit more, if you put another main character on the ship and you don't have Worf taking up space, because we've cut him, yeah. um, you can do a little more business on the ship with Riker and Jordy and Troy. And then there's there's more for her to do and more for them to do. Yeah. And then you don't have the stupid boob joke either. So yeah, I mean, I was, win-win, really. So I was thinking about this, uh, about that as well, and even like tying that into mine, where because again, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to you guys as Encyclopedia Star Trek here. So my understanding is that Riker and Troy were an item very, very, very early on. Uh, not even the pre like, the pre, series. Pre pre the series. Yeah. And they kind of touch on it throughout the series, but they never really get back together. Together, correct? They flirt a little bit with they it flirt. back and forth. She hooks up with Worf for a little while, yeah. and then he goes off and marries someone else. Okay. And then in the movies, they kind of hook back up. And I get the impression that, and, and I don't even get the impression. I think by the end of the movie, it's straight up stated that one of the reasons why those feelings started to come back between the two of them was because of the whole Fountain of Youth thing. It right. Kind of brought those feelings back see, out. See, yeah. And, and, and so, and kind of how I want to kind of expand it, kind of, and I want to play into my 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 idea of like the this team has been through they've gone to hell and back and they're and and maybe as they're feeling feeling as they're you know they're they're feeling old they're feeling tired and maybe that is part of the reason why troy and Riker start to look at each other differently really releasing like hey like we've been through a lot and i don't want to be alone going forward and 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 the the like the fountain of youth plant actually kind of i sort of that's not the catalyst, but this sort of just sort of like kind of helps move that along. But but I want those kind of like yeah, the, the feeling of like being tired and worn out and like there, I feel like there needs to be there needs to be more of a reason for them to get back together other than just like oh you haven't touched my neck in a long time like eleven years, right? So anyway, that's my thoughts on that. But I do but I do feel like yeah, expanding that I think and I think that's that like. I think the fans deserve it too, right? I feel like if, yeah, they're, if they're going to get together finally, there it's needs a little to be a abrupt. reason for them. It's a little abrupt right at the beginning of the movie too, where it's just like, oh, I guess they're an item again. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe earn it a little. Yeah. Yeah, the romantic part of it doesn't have to happen until like 
closer to the end of the second act or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than right off the hop. Just like, oh, by the way. Yeah. Like I get what they're I get what they're doing. Like they're using the romance as sort of a vehicle to to talk about the effects of this radiation that they're experiencing. Um but you know, you can show that in other ways. Yeah. And uh, even if that is a part of it, I mean this is this is an important development in the relationship between two beloved characters who we've seen through a lot of stuff. Yeah. Maybe give it more than two brief scenes at the beginning of a movie. Yeah. To develop a little bit. <laughs> Just saying. I liked I liked the the rekindled romance between them. I think it deserved more space in the movie. Yeah. And that's one of my big changes. Yeah, and it, it uh, spending more time with it would also make sense for subsequent movies. Like in Nemesis, they're getting they get married, and then they're about to embark off to the USS Titan, right? Yeah, because Riker finally accepts he a promotion. Finally accepts a command. Yeah, so yeah, it would work better to develop it a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to propose my complete change to the villain. Okay, which is. Um, that the villain's not there. <laughs> the sonar are gone. Yep. Agreed. I mean, I, I'm, I, I lament that we don't get, we wouldn't get the, the stretchy face aliens, which I, I do, I do think is an interesting affectation. Um, but because in, in my version, these, the, the Baku are Federation citizens, um, I'm making the Federation itself the villain. Yep. I'm on board so, with that. Um, Admiral Doherty is the main villain, main villain, and uh, he his motivation is that the regenerative properties of the planet could help save his son, daughter, wife, whatever. Right? Okay. He's he's using you know he's he's under the guise that like it could save millions and millions of lives, and that's and that's his, on the surface that's what he's saying, but underneath. You know, there's a there's a turn and a reveal later on in the movie that you know he's he's it's really for more of a much more personal reason, which I think would make him a lot more re- relatable and sympathetic. Um, you know, when he when he, he he just takes it too far, and he yeah. he um, he's at, at some point he's willing to trade the lives of the Baku in order to get what he wants, in order to save his his loved ones. I like that. I feel maybe like, he can have a stretchy I, face. Maybe he's an alien. <laughs> he just, I, I, like I said, I feel. I feel like I, I like the idea of, of yeah, like that's of of him him saying like wanting wanting the planet for all these grandiose reasons. Again, I think that's why if we set it up that you know the Federation has taken some heavy losses due to all this stuff they've gone through, and this one of the reasons we want this planet because it can help rebuild their Federation, the war effort, or whatever. But then really, it's actually just not for that. It's actually for yeah some. Selfish, selfish purpose. Yeah. Save his cat or something. I agree in principle. I think it makes Doherty too sympathetic to make him want to save a loved one. I think if you want to go that direction, I think that it's revealed that he's dying. He wants it for purely selfish reasons. Sure. That he, wants, work, yeah. he wants it for himself. Yeah. And giving that gift to the rest of the Federation is simply the way that he's uh, convincing himself that he's doing the right thing. Yeah. Right. When objectively he's doing it for, for very selfish reasons. Okay. I can agree with that. Yeah. Because, I mean, Picard's going to kill the guy in the end. Right? Yeah. Like, he's going to die. And if, and if it turns out that he was doing it out of love, 
that's a little harsh. But if he's doing it because he just doesn't ever want to grow old, if he wants to be that admiral from the first season of Star Trek who used that regenerative ability to uh, turn himself younger and younger until he turned so young he died, uh, then, yeah, there's a deep callback. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I also uh, added uh, another thing that might help give it this. um, Since I got rid of the Sona, there's no real twist to the movie. So... Um, I thought that um, Picard and Crusher together could uh, be exploring the Baku and who they are and, and where they came from. Maybe we maybe they don't totally understand that they they used to be Federation citizens or whatever. Well, it's been three hundred years. Yeah, and at some at some point they they discover you know oh this you know these people have human DNA um, and and they discover that. The, the planet and the people who are living on it are sort of in symbiosis and that makes them that makes them a whole new species essentially so that's a real Star Trek thing like like they're they're a new species and we have no right to to move them off the planet or or, or force them anywhere kind of thing right? whereas Doherty is still using the loophole argument of well they're Federation citizens we have jurisdiction over them the prime directive doesn't apply right yeah so we can relocate them if we want to right yeah yeah, I think in your yeah, that's a good point. So I guess I guess I mean they can certainly know that they're Federation citizens from the get go, but it's it's sort of yeah over time it's it, they they learn that like oh they're they are a new species like they're they they wouldn't exist anywhere else. Yeah, and I like that. Anywhere. And that gives, I like that. That gives Crusher something to do. Yeah, a medical thing. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, now I don't know. How, I don't. Uh, since we got rid of the sauna, I'm not really sure what the big set, uh, action set pieces in our in our new movie because we don't have the sauna to fight. Would we be fighting like Federation on Federation? Pew, yep. pew, pew, pew. <laughs> we're not. We're not poo pooing the pew poos <laughs> as as, as Scott would say. Yeah, no. I, but I, I think that sets us up. I think uh, a chance to even flex the the Enterprise E a little bit just because now you've got so because now now you actually have a full on insurrection where you have. You know, Picard and his senior officers are de- blatantly defying a Federation order. Yeah. And maybe it's like, now it's like, okay, the Admiral's like, okay, other ships, you got to take down the Enterprise. Yeah, Doherty's, Doherty's got to have a, full-on a couple ships with him who are sold on the mission. Yeah. And one of the big one of the big set pieces is going to be the, the E defending itself from, like, a small Federation fleet. Yeah. Um. And then, but trying to minimize, because they recognize, like, we're fighting, we're fighting fellow Starfleet officers who are misguided. And so they're, like, that's the reason why the E's on the run, hiding in the Briar Patch, like, because they don't want to blow up these other ships. So there's that, there's that added tension of, these guys are out to kill us, and we don't want to hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to, like, we need to run and hide. We need to try to disable them, but not destroy them. While Picard figures out on the planet a way to expose Doherty's uh, villainy so that eventually you can have that moment where Doherty is exposed, like, revealed, oh, he's just an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And and the rest of the Starfleet ships are like, oh, well, we're on Picard's side. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're... We're going to take that admiral into custody, and I, and I think I think you can. I think we, you, we, if you're doing that, you can also, if we're trying to give Troy a reason to exist, um, have yeah. Basically, it's it's her and Riker trying to outthink, outmaneuver, out 
game these yeah. other ships, right? Because now they're they're both the two commanders. of them and Jordy, yeah, 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 and Jordy. Like so, you actually so you actually give those those members actually something to do because now instead of just, oh no, then that's a brilliant trio to do that with, yeah, because Jordy's got the engineering expertise, yeah. Riker's got the tactical expertise, and Deanna's a people person, yeah, so she can get get into the heads of the other Starfleet officers who are after them. That's a great trio of people to yeah. try to outsmart other Starfleet yeah. ships. Yeah. Oh, movie missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Cause like, cause now, cause now, and now you've got, you've got, they're all flexing their, their muscles and like their characters. Let's, let's just assume then like the enterprise E being like the new, not the flagship, but obviously the, you know, the, 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 the latest hotness, the, the, yeah, the new hotness has all these bells and whistles that maybe we not, instead of just zap, zap, like have these different, Things it can do rather than just shooting out the warp core. So. Which they, I mean, they could still do in a set piece at one point. Yeah. Especially if they're trying to pull out all the stops to, like, outsmart all these other and maybe, Starfleet ships. And, and I think maybe what you could use also even do is that set up that even maybe at this timeline, like, maybe maybe the, maybe the, the lore of the Enterprise and the legend has faded a little bit with everything that's happened to the Federation so that maybe some of these other captains are just like, Hey, this is an old, this is an old crew. We're not afraid of them, whatever. Like they're, you know, they're, they're kind of almost has-beens and this gives them a chance to be like, no, we're the crew of the that, Enterprise. That would tie into the theme a little bit yeah, too. Yeah. So, uh, one of, one of the changes I had, uh, kind of facetiously mentioned off the top that I would make is to not blow up the Enterprise D two movies ago. Yes. Which would actually even, in a way, work better with this suggestion. Yes. Because then you've got the old Enterprise D that's been in service for like a decade or more <laughs> yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah. So, and, and, and they could be like, you know, it's, it's an old Galaxy-class starship. It's one of the first Galaxy-class starships. How is it beating us? We have state-of-the-art intrepid <laughs> we, ships. We, we have a sovereign-class starship. Here's where you can shot out the star, the sovereign and be like, this is going to be the next Enterprise. Yeah, it's also much more fun if the Enterprise is outgunned. Yeah, like that's... Can we, can I, think we, that's I think that would be a sweet change if I could go back so, and also change two other so, movies. So, so we'll, set, we'll set this up as, that as, as Enterprise-E orbits the planet, it also kind of regenerates and gets more useful <laughs> and just turns into Enterprise-E. <laughs> but I think, like, it, it, seriously thinking, if they had had the foresight to know this was a direction they would go, yeah. don't blow up the D, because then the older Galaxy-class starship uh, fits into that that narrative really well, actually. Yeah. And also, the D was one of the characters of the series. I don't care what you think about that. And yep. killing it in the first movie was heinous. Yes. How dare you? That's my two cents on that. Yeah. I wasn't here fair. for the Star Trek Generations episode. No, so I get to say that now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I, I like it. Like, yeah, I like I like all of it. I think we're all giving everyone stuff to do. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the issues that I had watching the movie was that there wasn't a lot going up on, on the ship. And the the away team was too cluttered because, Sorry, again, because Worf is there taking up space when you probably could have done without him. And, uh, and Deanna doesn't have anything to do in Beverly. They're potted plants. Like, they might as well not even be in the movie for the amount they uh, contribute. How about we throw, uh, so in this giant space battle... Worf is actually on one of those ships. I had actually considered that while we were talking about it. Yeah. Is maybe the Defiant is one of the ships yeah. that's there? Oh yeah. And then you have Worf like really conflicted, like oh man, you like can, you, on the one hand, 
like these are this is my old crew this is my old captain i trust him but but they're they're, defying, they're orders. defying orders and there's the war on and the admiral's making some good points and maybe maybe it's through wharf that they get through to the rest of the you could you could also even, you could even expand it even maybe have bring in some of these other like maybe as as kind of fan service like some of the other characters from the shows are on these ships as well. Well, we, we specifically did that in the last movie when we fixed it. Yeah. By having okay. a bunch of DS9 characters oh, there you go, show yeah. up for the party. <laughs> but yeah, but maybe yeah, from like from different uh different earlier incarnations of next generation. But um yeah. It would have been it would have been fun to bring back Commander Shelby, have her in command oh, one yeah. of those ships, because yeah. then you could have her and she could be a captain now and she could just be rubbing it in Riker's face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hey, you're still a cap. You're still a commander, yeah. Riker. I'm a captain now. I'm captain. You can call me sir. <laughs> I, I like all this. Any other? Any other? Like uh, thoughts, tweaks, or changes? No, I don't think so. Uh, do we want to get to uh, what some of the listeners are saying? Sure. Uh, so, uh, friends, if you uh, every time we do a movie, we uh, put a call out on the Instagrams, on the Twitters, and the Facebooks to ask uh, uh, a simple question: What is one thing you would change? And uh, we got some great comments uh, for this one. Uh, Dave writes, he wants more boob jokes. <laughs> I feel like if there is one thing Star Trek lacks, it's a lot of boob jokes. Is this like 100% of the boob jokes in Star Trek is in this movie? I don't know. Were there any boob jokes in Discovery? Because Discovery gets kind of raunchy here and there. Does it really? Probably okay. there were. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't really watch much of it. Um, uh, uh, Film Frown Podcast uh, mentions, let's start with the title. It's not a great title. Cola is a great name rather than the Pepsi liquid consumable. Yeah, what would be a better title? For so, uh, so I tell you what was not the original title of the movie was, was Star Trek Stardust. And they changed that. Yeah. So Insurrection is better than what the original. Yeah. Yes, basically, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, Insurrection is. The, the issue that I have with Insurrection is that they don't really, in the, in the movie as it happens, have an Insurrection. Like, it's. You you really hit the nail on the head earlier on when you said that there's no stakes because Admiral Doherty is like the only Starfleet guy there. Yeah. So the fact that they're defying him means eff- essentially nothing because there's no consequence to them going against Doherty. And then he dies. Yeah. yeah. Like at the beginning of the third act, he gets murdered. So you're never going to be in trouble for what you did here. Yeah. Um, and the insurrection they have is not really like them... They, like they're on the right side right through there's no question that that's the case like uh, if you're going with our version of the movie you can yeah. keep the title because yeah. it feels like there's an actual like yeah, we've yeah, yeah. we've we're we're going rogue against starfleet orders and the movie as it is it's really just watered down it's like Lord. it's like they kind of wanted to do what we're suggesting but then like pulled it back because they were like well we can't have them fighting starfleet so we'll have them fight some stretch face aliens led by Salieri. And then there'll just be an admiral involved, but like he's not really bad either because I mean he is with Starfleet. Like, yeah. It feels like they they got cold feet. Star- halfway to thinking up the idea Star- that we came up with. Star- it's Star Trek summer vacation is really what it always yeah. feels like. I don't Everyone's know. Laughing and have a good time. I don't know what I would call the current movie. Star Trek Rebellion. Star Trek. Rogue One. Youth. Star Trek Rogue One. <laughs> Star Trek feeling kind of, sort of. Yeah. I don't know. Eh. Uh, Star Trek boob jokes. 
Uh, Chris says, uh, needs more inexplicable dune buggies. Luckily, they fixed that in the follow-up. <laughs> I don't, so, we, we got halfway there with the weird shuttle chase. I, I, saw, I, saw the, yeah. I saw that comment, and I was like, and I couldn't actually remember which movie the dune buggy was from, because I feel like it could be in any of them. But apparently, it's in the next one. It's Nemesis. Can yeah. I just say, as like, as like a Star Trek nerd... Uh, seeing the captain's yacht was actually kind of fun. I wish that it had been the D's captain yacht. Yeah, because he never got to see that. But like, that's like a thing where it's like, like you only really knew the captain's yacht existed because you had Star Trek Next Generation trading cards and or, it had all the, the schematics. And stuff oh, like actually, that. was there like a yacht yeah. in the original show? There's yeah. if you. Oh, I didn't know that. If you're if you're watching the original show, uh, there's like a little oval on the underside of the saucer section on the D. Yeah. That is a detachable component yeah. oh. that is the captain's personal shuttle. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, look at that. It's never used in the series. Oh. Though they, apparently they floated the idea of using it a dozen times and then just always and were like, never did. Eh, it would cost money to model that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, you'd have to like, because you'd, you probably had to build a whole other you'd have to build a, the saucer and, just to have like a detached and a new set on. for yeah. him to be yeah, in that's true. and uh, eventually they just kind of eh. yeah the tng was always sort of like you know it was always running into money problems and stuff like that right so yeah. they had to, there were certain things they just couldn't do yeah yeah oh well yeah. when we when we remake this movie it'll be enterprise d and we'll have half the um, movie did we mention that the uh did we mention that the special effects in this movie are like god awful oh boy they are they do they did not age yeah, I can't well remember if that conversation was off air or not yeah but that's why i'm air. bringing it up now the because uh, <laughs> we brought up the shuttle chase and i just i just want to say like the high definition of this movie does not do this was favors. this from what enders from what i read this was the first star trek film that actually had no physical models in it it and shows. it showed it was this oh, but boy. this is like bad 1998 cgi yeah, like this bad. is like there's no shadows there's, in anything, or it's just. I've said it a dozen times on this podcast. If I've said it once, and that is nothing beats a practical effect. Yep. <laughs> like I was thinking about thinking really like what, what has better what has better effects this or Star Trek three? I'd argue Star Trek three. Quite probably. probably. Like, I mean, models typically look they look cool. They look yeah they typically because they look, look they look physical. Yeah. They don't look like a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, finally, Evan uh, mentions uh, what what change what change he would make the joystick, uh, but he does say I find it preferable. I find it a preferable TNG film to the others overall. I think we all kind of generally agree with that. Nope. Yeah. Nope. For- the Descent. joystick, at least. I, I am in. There you go. This, Star Trek uh, Descent. There I, we go. There you go. Star Trek Descent. <laughs> yeah. I object. We, we found it. Star Trek <laughs> objection. That's what it actually should be. <laughs> All right, then. Well, uh, friends, uh, you can find uh, all of this and more if you follow us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at I Have Some Notes. Uh, if you like the show, please consider rate and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps us out. You can also find our episodes on the CKOA radio app. Download it from the Apple App Store. We post new episodes every second week, so tune in two weeks from now for the next full episode, which will be... Godzilla! Godzilla or Gore, Gore. The, the, it's very very important to note it's the 2014 American one yeah the 2014 not the not the not the uh, Matthew is that Godzilla's theme song that's, no that's the that's the song Godzilla from there's a there's a band oh okay uh, okay I, okay. T- I don't remember the uh, band off the top of my head because I I literally I'm not gonna lie know it but from, you figured uh, that this this is a reference that we were going to uh, get well I know it from I like Guitar it, Hero <laughs> I know it from Guitar okay. Hero because oh, it's okay. a song in Guitar Hero because yeah. it's got some sweet guitar licks in it. there we go hey right, it's I the tw- take it's, your word for it it's the 2014 Godzilla not the um 
Not the, the Roland really, Emmerich one. Not the Roland Emmerich no. Godzilla. No, if, so if you're expecting some genre, no. <laughs> and some Matthew Broderick. No. Nope. Boy, have we got some bad not, news not for you. Uh, but, any, we're, but we're bringing some Brian Cranston yeah, to the... And, uh, and everyone's favorite, Aaron Taylor Johnson. <sighs> Anywho. Uh, thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us today. There's lots of podcasts to listen to. We appreciate you listening to this one. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Keep watching the skies! Keep watching the skies!